We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Evening, everybody. This is Kirk Henderson and Josh Bowe coming to you on Saturday evening as the Dallas Mavericks fell to the Utah Jazz 112-107. I apologize for any audio quirks you guys might hear. I'm walking my dog because I needed something to do after a two-hour car ride where I wondered how the Mavs were going to F that up, and they did. They collapsed in the fourth again. They missed free throws. They played terrible defense. They took stupid shots. They did all the things these Mavericks have come to be uh, a signature, uh, a signature move for them. The fourth quarter collapse. So, Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I've kind of run out of things to, to say. I mean, it's it's the same. It's the same thing. I mean, this is something we've been talking about. This is something, you know, I've already written about. And it's hard to I don't know what else to really say. It's just, you know when the the game gets tight and when the situation uh, has more pressure and, you know, the Mavericks kind of have to nut up a little bit, the the game just gets away from them. Uh, And it's not like a, I mean, it's bad for this season, but when you think, when you try to step back and look at the grand scheme of things, it's not horrible. You know, the Mavericks are going to make the playoffs and they're ahead of schedule. And you would assume that, you know, I would imagine these problems are going to be fixed, but it's not probably not going to be till next season because they probably need another off season to get to make the roster a little bit better. And Luca needs to, you know, Luca probably needs another year. Like he's just that's just kind of the way things go. He's twenty years old, and 
even though he's an MVP candidate right now, it's it's tough. Like uh, I just I don't I just don't know what to say. It's it's literally the same the same script. You know, the final five minutes, the offense uh, turns into four guys standing and watching Luca, and the defense just doesn't offer as much resistance as it should. Well, let's um, let's talk about that first. I want to talk about the defense because I'm watching on the game log, and I <laughs> felt like from six minutes on. Utah scored every fucking time. Yeah, it, it was it was not great. Uh, they were they hit six three pointers in the fourth quarter. The last one was just like laughably bad defense. The one in the final you know thirty seconds or forty seconds of the game. Uh, Mitchell, you know they do a screen and roll with Mitchell and Gobert, which is you know obviously that is a tough that is a tough guard for for any team. You know Mitchell and Gobert are really good. That's a good pick and roll tandem. But you know the Mavericks kind of like. Uh, I don't know what they did. They kind of, I think Perzingis tried to, to trap and it was, they left a gap in the middle of the pick and roll and Mitchell split the, split the defenders. And then from there, you know, it was like nothing. It was like they're playing against air and he just kind of drove into the paint. Mavericks collapsed and uh, O'Neal got a wide open three pointer, just a look that you can't give up that late in the game when you're up one, like, you know, there was, it was just nothing. Like it was, it almost looked like a practice set or like a preseason game, just the way the Mavericks defended that, you know, it was like, they weren't even there. And granted, like I said, Mitchell and Gobert are a really tough cover in the pick and roll. That's just, you know, you just gotta, you gotta tighten up. You gotta, the defense has to make the offense feel, you know, they have to be felt and the Mavericks really didn't make Utah feel them. I think throughout the night, you know, I think, you know, Utah, didn't necessarily shoot all that well in the first quarter, but I don't know how much of that was the Mavs defense. I thought the Mavs gave up open looks all night and I thought Utah just didn't really make them in in the first quarter. And as the game got on, I thought they made more of their shots that the Mavs were kind of allowing or giving up. Uh, So I was just, I know that you look at the numbers and Utah shot 44% from the field, 30, 35 from three. I I think this could have been way worse if Utah was making their open shots in the first quarter. Cause I just didn't think the Mavs were there defensively at any point in the game tonight, say for like a few stretches, brief stretches. Well, and, and so again, I, I got to reiterate the fact that I didn't have a chance to watch this game. I was on the road the entire time working at my phone, uh, whenever, you know, traffic, you know, basically doing the dumb thing that I shouldn't do, or I'm <laughs> checking the score, checking the game. And, you know, the Mavericks led in the first, they led in the third and to have these double digit leads and to collapse. These are the type of teams they have to actually beat if they want to do something in the playoffs. They're going to get there. They're going to get there. But the Jazz are not that – I'm just not convinced the Jazz are – the Jazz really remind me of, like, the the mid to late aughts Mavericks teams where they're good, but are they that good? Are they good enough to do it in the playoffs? Or are they just a a 50-season – regular or i'm sorry 50 a 50 win regular season t- uh, a tough out and you know to to beat to be beating them the whole game and then to collapse is just so frustrating yeah and it, we haven't yeah. even gotten to the part that i don't understand how do you miss half of your free throws again cuz they did this against portland it just didn't bite them yeah, I don't – that's something – like, we talked about that after the Portland game. Like, what do you even say with Miss Who is there – like, like <laughs> I, I did this once earlier. I'm doing it again. Whoever their shooting coach is needs to – is he their free throw missing coach? Because the, they're tremendously weird in bad situations. I, I know they're only, like, 14th or 15th in the league. Because when you look at, like, the the entire flow of things, 
the Mavs are shooting like 77% as a team, which is like 13th or 12th or something. But like, I, I bet in these situations, particularly in the fourth, the Mavericks are one of the worst teams in the league at this. They have to be because I feel like, like Vinny Smith bricking two, Luca missed how many? Like four, five? Like what? I don't. I'm. I'm just. You know. I may have been in the car for two hours with a very angry three year old, which doesn't help with my mood right now. <laughs> but it's just like like. Hey, do you, all right. I, while you were ranting, I went ahead and looked it up, and this won't make you feel any better. But in clutch time, so five minutes or less, with the score within what is it, five points, I believe that the NBA defines clutch time. So in NBA.com, define clutch time. The Mavericks are 28th in free throw percentage. They shoot 69.7%. You want to know what my response to that is? That that amazing gif of Kobe Bryant yelling soft at whoever he was yelling at. Because that's a sign of a weak team, a mentally weak team that, that, you know what, they're so talented. They're so, and they're young. And I know I'm going to look back on this and think this is, Man, do you remember those tough times? That doesn't make it any less stupid right now. I know. It's frustr- It's frustrating. And especially the frustrating part is uh, it happens the same way every time. You know, it's not like uh, it's not like the Mavericks kind of like, you know, execute their offense well and they just come up short or they play good defense and the other team just makes some really tough shots. It's consistently missed free throws. It's consistently poor offense down the stretch where Luca is doing everything and four guys are standing around and that leads to Luca taking bad threes. Uh, and then on the defensive end, it's just, there's just no, there's just a different resistance. You know, just, there's no resistance on the defensive end and that's tough. And, you know, when you look at the roster, this is the, this game kind of shows why I just really would love if the Mavericks could get another three and D uh, wing, like, you know, Dorian Finney Smith is really, He's really the only one, you know, Justin Jackson. I thought he played a terrible game. He had 20 minutes. He took some really awful shots. Didn't really do much on the defensive end. And that, that's Smith, because he's a terrible basketball player. <laughs> it's not that he played terrible. He is a terrible basketball player. I saw right. Bobby Marks list in the ESPN insider thing that he's shooting 44% from three off the bench, which it, it that cannot be true. Uh, anyway, get get back to your talk. No, yeah, but you know, like the closing lineup is basically the starting lineup, and it's five out with Przingis, which I, if we want to get to later, I loved how that looked. You know, the start of the game, uh, but it's Finney Smith is the only wing defender. You know, you have Tim Hardaway Jr., but he, I think he gives effort, but he's not someone you can rely on to enhance your defense at all. And then Luca is just not a good. Def- he's not a good defender right now, and especially tonight. You know, I thought he looked really tired uh, in the fourth quarter especially on defense, you know, he kind of jogged a little bit and wasn't really closing out hard. And, you know, Hey, that's, you know, the burden of him being a 38% usage rate player. Yeah. And they, they yeah. just gotta, they just need one more. They need another Finney Smith type guy so that in a game like tonight, when the, the going's getting tough and things are getting physical and they need to get stops, they could play Finney Smith with another wing guy that they can rely on. And, you know, try to combat the way teams just try to bully ball them in the fourth quarter. Um, I'm not saying the Mavericks needed, like, another big to prevent that. They just need another tough, uh, stout wing defender. This is why I would love, you know, obviously I would love Robert Covington to, to be on this team for this exact reason. Um, but otherwise, you know, I, I'm just running out of things to say. You know, Luca had a really good drive late uh, against Gobert, and that was great. I don't think he was as step back happy in the clutch as he normally is. He did take a bad one, but I think the game 
was already out of reach. I think you know they were already in the. What about his, where, so, so I, I want to ask you a, a pair of things a, a, yeah. as someone who didn't get to see the game. Um, our 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 guy Sam asked in our Slack if we could talk about Lucas' poor three point shooting. How did he do for the game? I he think was, he was he was two for ten. He was bad. Okay, so uh, he's bad. Yes, like, he was bad. It, it wasn't, we are to he, the point now where he is a bad three point shooter. It is it, there's a line of demarcation where uh, it stops being oh you know if he shoots at enough volume and hits him enough no Luca's Luca's game log is the sort of thing where he is either outstanding or he is atrocious from three. There is there are none of these games where he goes four for nine. They're either like seven for nine or two of ten. Yeah, and it, it was. You know, he definitely relied on it a little bit too much. Um, he did set a screen in the pick and roll. You didn't get to see that, but Ooh, he did that. Fancy. Uh, but then DeLon kind of passed it to Maxi for a three that Maxi missed. Uh, Maxi had a brutal game. Uh, I know it's two for eight uh, from three. And I got to say at least three or four of those misses were wide open corner threes. Uh, so if he had a little bit better of a night, I think, it, you know, things would have been different. Um Thought Delon Wright had a pretty good game until down the stretch. Just uh, he got blocked by Gobert, which was like defensive player of the year type block. Like I think everyone watching, everyone in the building, thought Delon was going to get a layup there, and Gobert just like go go gadget armed from like the free throw line basically, and and bounce you know pinned it off the or volleyball spiked it off the the backboard. Um, yeah. I, otherwise, you know, Curry had a good night, and uh, it it sucks. You know, the Mavericks kind of wasted a good shooting night. They looked really good in the first quarter. The let's, Przingis at the five gave. Let's Utah let's circle so back around damage. on that in just a second, okay, guys. Okay. I uh, we need to take a quick commercial break. All right. I want to ask Josh one more question, and then we're going to talk about the things that are actually good about the game, and then I want to talk to to Josh about his. Uh, Thoughts on Willie Cauley-Stein. We'll be right back to you after a word from our sponsors, hopefully not Mike Bloomberg. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This is Kirk Henderson and Josh Bowe. We're back again with a weird edition of Mavs Moneyball. I'm walking my dog. The audio is probably bad. I'm sorry for that. Um, I wanted to get in a quick point about Luca's defense before we focus on some of the things that are actually good. <sighs> I waffle with this because from game to game, I'm like, you know what? If a guy is going to play as hard as much as Luca does and have 38% usage, I don't know what to expect from his defense. At the same time, from a play-by-play stance, he sometimes does boneheaded, fall-asleep-at-the-wheel style crap. Would you agree? Yeah, I would agree. And I think this is, you know... When people talk about his, you know, athleticism or, you know, his speed, I think this is, you know, it doesn't bother him on offense, obviously, like maybe a little bit in terms of, you know, separating at the rim. But I mean, obviously he's been fantastic on offense this season, but I think that's kind of maybe where it hurts him because like, you know, if he was a little bit longer or, you know, could, you know, jump a little bit uh, higher or move a little bit quicker, even if he was kind of loafing a little bit on defense to conserve energy, he would just naturally be a better defender. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he has the, he can't really 
make up for kind of loafing through a defensive effort with like a quick burst to get back into the play, you know, like, or just be by being, you know, sometimes him being tall helps, but you know, not all, you know, not every time. Uh, right. Him being tall is basically one of the main differences between him and Trey Young right now, yeah. because him being tall helps in very like base ways that it doesn't uh, else in, in, in other in, like for guys can, who are shorter. Yeah. Yeah. Like he just, he can get in the way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. But yeah, well, it's yeah. I don't know what. To, that's another thing. Like, do they need to lower his usage rate? To you know, that's a that's a long conversation that I don't know if we're ready to have t- t- right now. About well, about let's that. not do it right now because yeah. you have things to do. But I wanted to at least touch on a little bit of the good things from the game because again, the Mavs led almost wire to wire, uh, so yep. they're clearly doing something right against the second best team in the Western Conference record wise and a pretty good defense. So talk to me a little bit about the five outs. So it seems like for the second straight game, that least provided views of, of what Dallas is hoping for. Yeah, it was the first quarter was just remarkable. Um, literally every time Kristaps uh, Porzingis caught the ball outside of the three point arc, he was open. I mean, he didn't shoot it every time, but like it was, it was wild how much Rudy Gobert wanted nothing to do with going all the way out to guard Kristaps. And the thing that's great about it is he, it's not like Gobert was in the paint, but he was, you know, kind of like between the free throw line, and three point line, maybe, you know, inching up toward the three point line. And Przingis has no issue shooting, you know, maybe, you know, a foot behind the three point line when he's not being guarded at all, basically at all. And by doing that, I think the Mavs were able to get to the rim a little bit more. You know, I know Gobert kind of ended up making the game ceiling play and he had five blocks, but I think through the first quarter and a half, it was just pretty remarkable how they kind of neutered him. He just wasn't a presence. You know, the Mavericks really didn't feel him for most of that first quarter and, you know, a little bit of the second quarter. Uh, the, the disappointing part is Przingis only shot three of eight from three. And that's the thing. It's like, this just might be a thing that we don't really get to see fully realized until next season. Cause I'm just not convinced he's going to be a high efficient three point shooter this year. Cause he just, that's just not him right now. You know, well, three of eight from three is not bad. I mean, it's 37 and a half percent, but it's the looks where, he was getting though. Yeah. They were, when, they were, you're that, he, when you're wide open, it's like, come on guy, come on guy. Yeah. He took a couple, he took, I think like one or two, he took off the dribble, but for the most part, he, he got what he wanted, you know, as a spot up guy. Um, and I just think the Mavericks, it's almost for the first three quarters, the Mavericks offense was, it was a process over results. Like they weren't necessarily scoring at the rate that they did in the first quarter, you know, in the second and the third, but I couldn't tell you five shots that looked that were like bad shots. Like they got good shots pretty much all the way up until the fourth quarter. And then of course that's, you know, the other discussion about how the offense just kind of transforms, you know, there's just less movement, but I just think the way that Luca orchestrated the game, uh, I thought was just brilliant and the way that he was creating looks um, throughout the night, you know, and it was great to see Seth hit four or five from three. Um, Finney Smith had two, his two threes were, were that he missed were backbreakers because they were in the fourth quarter. And that's the thing. No one, go, they were above the, above the break threes and Utah didn't guard him and dared him to shoot and he missed them. So yeah, the Finney uh, Smith stuff is so tough because I, and I've been hard on him for four seasons because at this point he's played enough games to where coming into the season I thought he was uh, I, I just didn't understand it and he's frankly had an amazing turnaround to the season yep. but we're also seeing instances of where he is just a bit outside of his depth they're asking a little bit too much of him in almost all circumstances and 
it, it, it sometimes it's just not going to work. He's an, he's a great defender. He's a great rebounder. He plays his butt off. But I have a hard time being mad about a guy who I thought up until last year couldn't hit, you know, the broadside of a barn. Yeah. And uh, another big thing, I know we were talking about what we liked with the five out, but Przingis had two rebounds. Um, Maxi had Maxi had three. So from your two bigs, you're basically your two bigs that played the whole night to get four rebounds total. Like that's, that's brutal. And that's another reason why, you know, I think they would, they would benefit from having another bit, you know, another big wing next to Finney Smith so that they could, they could rebound a little bit better. I mean, it almost feels like, I know Przingis is having a much better season rebounding, but there are too many games where Finney Smith and Luca are the two best rebounders on the floor for, for the Mavs. And that's sure. That's hard. Uh, well, but, I know you got to go soon, so why don't yeah. you tell us your thoughts on on an incoming big man, Willie Cauley-Stein from the Golden State Warriors. I will say that my review of him is mixed at best, but I am hopeful at, at you know, it's a for me, it's a low-risk, high-reward proposition, and if he doesn't, if he doesn't work out, then like you said on Twitter and probably the funniest thing I saw all day, he's going to head to Rick Carlisle's phantom zone. So, you know, <laughs> talk, get, tell us a little more. Uh, I think for the bit, I'm ecstatic. <laughs> like I get to do, you know, my Nerlens bit again, uh, which will be fun. I can't wait. I can't wait to piss people off. I can't wait for people to get mad at me. Uh, so that'll be fun. Um, but like, it, yeah, it's pretty much what you said. Like he's two teams have given up on him in five years. One of them being a Warriors team that clearly needs as many like value contracts as possible. And you would think that if they liked him, they would keep him to keep him around because their cap is just it's really hard for them to acquire talent. So the fact that the Warriors already less than half a you know a half season have given up on him that's. That says something, um, and it's he's just an inconsistent player. You, he should be Tyson Chandler 2.0. He has all the gifts. He has all the tools to do it, and he just doesn't have the effort or the defensive intensity to to do it. And he shoots a lot of mid-range – like, he shoots way too many mid-range jumpers. Uh, oh, yeah. If he shoots any mid-range jumpers with the Mavericks, he will not play. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> it's wild. Like, when you watch him play, it's like – Man, if you played like Tyson Chandler, you would be a you would be making so much money. And it's when you watch him, it's like he he feels like that's beneath him, like in a weird way. Like he thinks he's a better player than that, even sure. though like that's a really good player to be. You know, I think there's like a stigma, like I'm not a guy that just, you know, plays off others on offense. Like I give me the ball, like that kind of guy. And that's mm-hmm. that's what kills him. And you know, I posted a highlight clip in my post that I wrote about him. And even in a highlight clip where he scores 25 points, I could have gift out like two or three possessions where he just does not rotate and gives up a layup. And uh, so that's tough. But when you think about his skill set, if this is the team, the Mavericks are the team to get the most out of the player like Willie Cauley Stein. So when you think about that, when you think about the fact that he's already been dumped by two teams for the most part, like this is his last chance, I think, to, to be like a real impact NBA player and to be able to get a contract worth a damn. Because if he doesn't work out in Dallas, which has pumped out and developed so many good running fives, uh, then this is, you know, who is going to do it? Um, so I like I said, I like the gamble. The thing I love the most, I love the most that they're they're doing a low key move to replace Powell. You know, they're not doing the Andre Drummond. They're not doing a Tristan Thompson or Kevin Love or something crazy like that. I love that it's a low-key move that doesn't really harm their cap, that isn't really going to mess with their rotations at all. 
uh, and they can see how it works. Uh, he has a player option, so if he stinks really hard and no team really sniffs at him in the summer, he will probably opt in, and the Mavs will be you know stuck with him for another season. So that's at most the downside, but you know it's it's worth it. I'm just I'm so glad they're doing they're going this route. I would much rather than you know take a swing at, at Willie Cauley Stein than sign like an older guy or you know or try to trade for someone with a big bigger contract. Like this is. This is what they had to do, and so I'm glad they did it. Well, again, I can't thank you enough for joining me tonight. I wanted to, to talk about this game with somebody. Good Lord, Huck. Sorry, my dog just, like, hacked something like he's a 90-year-old man. Um, I know you got you got things to get to because it's a Saturday night. I am home, and I will see how much trouble I am in with the missus because I told her I had to podcast right as I walked through the door. So, I'm proud of you for taking the dog out for a walk when you got mad, though. That's a good, uh, that's a good move. I'm proud oh, of you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, again, guys, we've got a number of podcasts up. We basically had four podcasts in like two and a half days. We had a state of the Mavs with the whole staff. I really highly recommend you check the feed and go listen, like, and subscribe. As always, we will be back to you whenever the heck the Mavs play next. I think they at least don't play until Monday or Tuesday. I haven't really paid attention. Yeah, Monday against Oklahoma City. Okay, that'll be a big bounce. That'll be a chance for a bounce back game. Mm -hmm. All right, everybody, we will talk to you soon. Everyone have a good weekend.